Um, my name's Jeanette McKevitt, and um, I am an elder here, but in my other job, um, I am an occupational therapist with the child development team, and uh, I have done a bit of extra um, education um, to become a developmental therapist, and that's the backdrop for my first story today. So I met Emma, that's not her real name, and I've changed a few of the details. Um, when she was five months old, she came as a transfer from another DHB because she'd been adopted. Um, Emma, Emma's mum had an inter intellectual disability and the dad was autistic. And when she fell pregnant, um, the great grandma, mum didn't want to have anything to do with them, great grandma stepped up and said, come and live with me and I'll look after you and help you with the baby. So that's what happened, um, and after the excitement of Emma um, and her arrival in the cute clothes, it became really obvious to grandma, great-grandma that nothing much was going on and that they actually couldn't cope. So she just worked away in the background and said, well, do you know, you guys should really think about adoption. It's really, really lovely, and you can still see Emma, and, you know, they're, they're, I just don't think that you guys have... Can, can really look after her. She, they were young as well. And so that's when um, I got to meet Emma because her adoptive parents, um, who couldn't have children of their own, were in um, the valley. So Emma, at five months, uh, wasn't looking at anyone. She couldn't smile. She didn't roll. She was floppy. She could eat. She could drink. That was it. And so we got together, I went to the home and we organised a programme and the parents um, just faithfully like, worked like Trojans every month and I'd go back the next month and then they would, they would follow through everything I did, like hours and hours, I like, would integrate it into every part of their day and the dad was really on board too. And she, was made, she made remarkable progress and... Um, so we just kept up with that, and by 12 months of age, she was meeting all her milestones. She no longer was autistic. Well, she had only a provisional diagnosis. She was not autistic, and she did not have an intellectual disability. It was the environment. And so at 24 months, she was completely engaged in all the activities, an absolute joy to her parents. So it was such a cool story. And um, I'd like to make a big claim that Emma's story wouldn't be the same without the wisdom of her great-grandma, the support of Hutt <coughs> Hospital staff, together with the love and care of her adoptive parents. In the same way... God invites us to join in on the restoration he's doing. He invites the church to take notice of the needs and the brokenness around it, to be generous, to work hard, to love, and vitally to pray. Then we'll see the transformation we long for. Amen? Yes. Um, I was so, uh, when I was preparing this um, talk a few weeks ago, um, I didn't realize until uh, two weeks ago that it was um, Pentecost Sunday this Sunday. And um, I just got, I just felt it was such an honor to um, represent the Holy Spirit on a day like this because I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 22. 
absolutely radically changed my life and um, I became a Christian at 13, almost 10 years later, baptised in the Holy Spirit and man, night and day, the difference was incredible. Um, so I want to read a, um, a part of the um, Pentecost story, but um, I just need to give a little bit of background. For those of you who are not familiar with the Bible, sorry, who are familiar with the Bible, will know that Jesus was resurrected after dying, and for 40 days he appeared to people by themselves in little groups, big groups, and then he went up into heaven. Um, But before he went up, he said to them, you guys, you go to Jerusalem and stay there and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit and power um, because you need it. And then you can be my witnesses across the whole world. So let's look at that scripture. Come up behind me. When the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem, just, just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. When they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them work out what was going on and kept on saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come that we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? I'll skip down the next bit. They're speaking out languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head nor tail of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked. They must be drunk. That's when Peter stood up and backed by the other 11, spoke with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel had announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Isn't that cool? That's so wonderful. In May, I attended an inspiring conference in Wellington called Movement Day. It was two days jam-packed with accounts of what God is doing through prayer in 15 different towns and cities across New Zealand. Here is a clip, um, it gives you an overview uh, of the prayer movement in other cities and how they're changing their part of the world.
I'd just like to thank Joram, actually. He um, edited all of that um, and uh, much more clever than I. Uh, so that's really cool. So this was Wellington um, Movement Day. They've been to Perth, Sydney, um, Mumbai, just uh, lots. Um, so I want to tell you, um, I chose three stories, so I, I had to be really savage in my choices because it was so encouraging and so inspiring. So the first one, we're gonna I'm going to take you to Gisborne, and a lady who's called Tui Keenan, she was a police officer in Gisborne. She attended a particularly difficult domestic violence call-out. Um, and arrested the father, took him away, and blow me down if the very next day she was at the same house um, with the mother having self-harmed. Children in distress and blood everywhere, and she got things shored up and then walked out the door and looked back and just absolutely gutted her. So she got some counselling from the police and they were really good, but Actually, she had to stop work for a while, and her heart was absolutely broken. She thought, we have got to do better than this. Um, and she walked into church one Sunday and came to faith, and her heart started to mend. And she joined a prayer group, and uh, in, in the, uh, over time, she just kept on bringing up this issue of, we've got to do better with domestic violence in this place. Um, and she thought of an idea, um, and what would happen if, after an incident, the people were asked, would you like someone to come in and help you, pray for you, maybe bring a food parcel, maybe fix the window, what, would you like that? And they came in and were right there, you know, 24 hours later. So she went to her um, commander, and he said, well, we can, we'll give it a try, we'll give it a pilot, and that went really well, and so they rolled it out for Gisborne, and it went super well, the statistics went down, and the churches um, in the city went on a roster, and with, within 24 hours, when it was your turn, you went and um, visited these people. On average, they had four um, call-outs in a week. Um, and so then it rolled out to uh, Rotorua, and it's functioning in those two places. And when I was talking to, I approached Wayne um, about coming, well, not actually about coming, but just about what were the needs of the city. And then he said, oh, I'll come. And I thought, yay. Um, but he said, actually, this uh, movement called Tehahe is actually coming to Upper Hutt, he believes. Um, I don't know when, but yay, awesome. So maybe some of us who can get trained and be those lovely people that come and just bring some comfort and some practice practical help. Yeah. Um, the church advances through prayer. Hikoi of reconciliation. So now I'd like to introduce you to Stephanie Harawira. She's from the Hokianga. Um, she's Maori, and one day she was in, in prayer, and she felt the Holy Spirit say to her, girl, you've got to walk the length and breadth of New Zealand and get these, my iwi, talking to each other. So she got a group together, they prayed, they financed it. She spent 14 months going all over New Zealand um, and challenging um, iwi to get right with each other and where it was possible, get right with God. 
I said, it was amazing. She was, she was just such a dynamic speaker. It was very, very exciting. And I just felt really humbled that she represents us. You know, we're part of her. We're all this one big church. And she's doing this um, for us to get New Zealand back um, in order. Um, so I just thought that was absolutely wonderful. And Stephanie in, um, would in, indeed say that the church advances as we humble ourselves and kneel to pray. So uh, in a little while, just to give you a warning, we are going to do some praying and little huddles where you are seated um, so when we went through this day, there would be three presentations, and then we'd all get together and pray for the points that the people brought up. And that went on for two whole days. It was, it was great. It was in the, the Salvation Army Citadel in Wellington, and from e every denomination. Um, so I want to tell you one more story, and this comes from Tauranga. Um, a guy called Dave Mann. He's an author, pastor, evangelist, and he actually goes to Eleanor Hood's. I don't know if you guys remember, she um, did one of our camps. Um, he was a pastor in Singapore and came back to New Zealand, I think it was about 10 years ago, and was actually surprised by the state of the church. Um, he sought the Lord in much prayer and four years ago uh, started the Hope Project. Um, some of you will remember seeing these little booklets come in the um, mailbox. And he did ads with Matt's dad, did all the ads. Um, and I actually got to meet him one day up at Rob's place, which was pretty cool. He's uh, written three books, and his latest one is In One Spirit. So I um, stole the, um, the title. And basically, he, um, he, has, he presents a case for all of the churches in New Zealand, we can knock this thing off. He said you need a 10% tipping point of active people in a, in a movement, and then you've got real change. And he's done the numbers and said, actually, we've got 10% Christian in New Zealand if you count all the denominations. Um, so let's get cracking, um, is his call. And in fact, we... Um, uh, going to have Dave here at church um, later on in the year, so that's really exciting. Got to make sure you're here that day. Um, and Dave would certainly believe um, Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary to China, who said, the church advances on his knees. So what could the Holy Spirit do in our part? Hey, if we prayed and united, does God want to impact up a heart? Yes, <laughs> most definitely. And I reckon that when they have the next movement day, we're going to have somebody from Upper Hut there giving a presentation about what God's done. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, so, right, we've got 10 minutes, um, and we have three uh, lots of prayer. The first one um, is for Wayne and his wife and counsellors. They represent us. They have such a heart for the city. When I emailed Wayne, he um, talked about all the things that really worry him about the city and uh, things that we could pray about. And I just really loved his heart. The first thing he said was uh, that he'd love a resurgence in neighbourliness. Isn't that 
it's kind of basic, but it's cool, isn't it? You know, if we just take time to say g'day to someone or even know who they are, if they're our neighbours, or if someone is in distress or, or they're lonely, just popping in. Um, and um, the other thing that he would like us to pray for is there's some big projects going on um, currently, um, the expansion of expressions, revamping H2O Extreme, and the redevelopment of Maidstone Max. So he'd like those to probably come in budget. He, not, he, he, he said that. Um, and to just be real assets for the city, to draw people in so that they can have lots of coffees here and spend their money here. Um, but also just, just provide recreation and cultural um, exchange Changes. So, so, so it's Wayne and Sue, the, the counsellors, and it's the and the loneliness, the resurgence of neighbourliness, and it's um, the redevelopment thing. So, get together where you're sitting, um, and um, yeah, pray. You've got three minutes, and I've got a stopwatch. Go. Okay, that's three minutes. It probably, um, for some who felt that was a bit awkward, it might have felt like a long three minutes. Um, For some of you, you just getting started. Um, I've just looked at the time and I think we'll just do one more section and leave the third section. So the next section is for business leaders and owners. In Jeremiah 29 verse 7, it says... Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So if our business owners and our leaders in Upper Hutt prosper, we prosper. So if you could get together in the same um, little huddles and you've got a further three minutes. It's lovely if you could just um, finish off now and come back to your seats. That would be great. We're going to leave the third one because I've just uh, run out of time. The church does advance on its knees. Thank you for joining in. And um, I'm sorry for those who felt it was a bit awkward. Um, but uh, we just, I just really want us to get down and get to business. Um, so in all the reports I heard around Aotearoa, New Zealand at Movement Day, there was the same pattern. There was a difficulty, someone rose to the response, they prayed, an answer um, or a solution or a package was developed um, over time and they laboured for change. And I believe there's a tide of unity coming. There's a tide where um, for getting ourselves cracking and um, getting um, New New Zealand Christian again. Um, So I'd just like to pray. Father, I just really thank you for this day. Lord, may this seed, this this desire to uh, change New Zealand for the better, to change Upper Hutt and all its statistics of deprivation. Lord, we just lift up Upper Hutt and we ask that you'd bless it, that you would bless our mayor and his wife and the councillors, that you would work mightily in our um, area and that we would co-labour with you um, in Upper Hutt. Thank you, Lord. Amen.